Ladies and gentlemen, in one of Tony Robbins' most popular TED Talks, he talks about the need for connection and love as one of the top human psychological needs. The need for connection and love, a basic core human desire. Without it, we find ourselves empty, we find ourselves alone, and we slip into depression and so many things. Well, our guest today specializes in helping you establish connection, authentic connection with other people. And in 2020, she was named as one of Yahoo's top 10 public speaking coaches for her work on connection and communication. She was born in Singapore, raised in Australia, schooled in Switzerland and worked in the United Arab Emirates. Simone Heng from Singapore, ladies and gentlemen. Let's first of all welcome her with a big round of applause. I love that. <laughs> well, we have to make do with the virtual applause these days, right? Right, whatever yeah. we can get, whatever we can get. Absolutely. Um, Simone, I really appreciate you taking out the time for this virtual conversation today. Ladies and gentlemen, Simone is a formal international broadcaster for media outlets such as CNBC, CNN, HBO, Asia, Virgin Radio, Dubai. And now she speaks to global organizations, top companies like Salesforce, SAP, HP, UBS, Google and others on um, the connection techniques that authentically bring us together, including the United Nations. And if I'm not wrong, it was in 2016 that I happened to be one of the speakers for the USLS, yeah. the uh, Humanitarian Affairs um, University Scholars Leadership Symposium, where Simone was already doing a fabulous job in uh, being the MC for the event, you know, sharing her humor, personal anecdotes, just tying it all together with this huge audience of 800 people, if I'm not wrong, Simone, right? Coming from- It was so wonderful for meeting you it was that was really my first introduction into seeing professional speakers at work uh -huh. I was very lucky that you know you all were just so lovely and also seeing non-professional speakers side by side with professional speakers and getting to understand really as an MC at the time what was the difference between people who were there to tell a story to mm -hmm. uh, bring money in for their charities really worthwhile charities and people who literally other people made their profession from inspiring with a message and so uh, yeah. that was really um, very meta for me not only was I getting to speak but I was also getting to learn a lot um, within that event is both ways is the sheer amount of diversity in yeah. the room right with all these students dressed up in their national costumes and i do remember i often say on my profile i've spoken to more than 85 different nationalities and guess what about 70 nationalities happened to be in that room under the same roof together for that one event which was crazy Very incredible uh-huh yeah a great bunch of people uh, la ladies and gentlemen simone is currently based in singapore currently also writing her first book on human connection producing an audio documentary on the same subject with one of the world's leading audio content providers and we're going to um, pick your brains on that you know having the self-discipline to put I've, I've signed an NDA so I will oh, tell okay. you only as much no, no problem she also has a degree from Curtin University of Technology in Communications and Cultural Studies and also a certificate of higher education from Harvard University's Derek Box Center for Learning and Teaching we have the right person here today to talk to us about human connection communication public speaking and all things about authentically connecting to other people. But first of all, let me get started. I just saw on LinkedIn on my feed, one of your photographs in front of a green screen doing a virtual event. Talk to us about your experience transitioning from being there in person, you know, the raw energy, the sheer joy of being in front of a crowd and, you know, the kick that you get out of it. And now moving to green screens, what are the top challenges being in this process? What, what are the learning outcomes? And what can we share with all these wonderful coaches and influencers and trainers who are tuning in into this live conversation right now? Sure, I'm, sh I'm sure you have so much to add on this as well, Sumajit. I think it's interesting because I spent many, many years in the media. So the green screen is very familiar to me. HBO Asia, my first hosting job there, I was on green screen. And it's a very frustrating way to work because it is, I mean, filming is already very contrived, as we know. Um, right now, as I'm doing this, I'm giving my eye line to my camera, not actually to my reflection as we do there. You know, all of those things. You're not looking, you're not looking at me then, are you? Sorry? You're not looking at me then. I'm looking at you now, but now <laughs> I'm right. looking at the camera. I know, I know. Um, and, you know, these things which are very unnatural, which was a skill in those days, 15 mm -hmm. years ago when I started, to make these unnatural things seem very 
very natural. And then when I became a speaker and you get to work on stage and you get to do it the natural way, it's actually really difficult going back and having to do this, you know, do these things. I mean, I'm really lucky that, you know, organizations seek me out to do it because they know I can do it. Um, but there is so much that people who are broadcasters can actually do to share knowledge online to help the every person because every person is a broadcaster now. So I, I like to share a lot of free tips about that. I think the biggest thing um, is it hurts to, to share a message simply through virtual. So right now, this message that I'm really passionate about, the feedback that I get on it, the sharing I do on it is completely done from within my house. And the mm. irony is the topic is human connection and I'm producing content alone from it. And then I'm replying to comments digitally on it. Whereas when you speak on a topic like human connection and you're in person with people, like what a gift that is. And what, um, like, it, it's just so much more holistic. It's so much more well-rounded when you speak on a topic like that and you're actually in person. It's, it, it's often ironic to me, like doing it virtually. It's like I'm, how how well can I demonstrate how to do this through? It, it's not. It's like talking about the power, the healing power of a hug, of a real hug, and yeah. then not being able to do it, and then just doing it virtually. And you know, I I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the people I interviewed for my YouTube was a neuroscientist who actually teaches at University of Virginia courses on touch and and connection, and he actually gets his students to sing. Um, at the beginning of every single uh, module because it creates the same vulnerability that we would have connecting in person oh, wow. but in the virtual atmosphere. And he, he taps into something very, very real there because vulnerability is the key to connection, which is why I always think people sing karaoke in Asia because we're more East Asians, we're more repressed in terms of talking about our feelings, but yet karaoke is where we let go. You know, and then you express see that. Express ourselves, right. Express and that connection yeah. happens. And mm -hmm. so it's interesting that he's there in America, like using singing on his interviews to kind of do the same thing uh, fascinating fascinating thing but that vulnerability that we have when we're in person and you're on a stage and you my speeches are literally like taking my heart out and putting it on mm -hmm. the ground mm -hmm. in between me and the crowd it's yep. that vulnerable i've heard a few in, in your videos full of your personal experiences and i'd strongly recommend to everyone who's watching right now to go subscribe to simone's youtube channel through your personal narratives, through your personal stories, your personal struggles and triumphs, you pack in some powerful messages and they're very indirect, they're very subtle. And I think mm -hmm. they, they stick, they stay in your mind and you can sort of dwell on them. So I like the, the whole... The, yeah, the, the story is the anchor, right? And mm -hmm. storytelling is hugely powerful in connection as well. We can talk a bit about that later on if you, if you sure. like. But I think the main thing here is how do we create that same vulnerability when... Technology has given us the power to be invulnerable. That's why when you see trolls yep. on the Daily Mail writing comments, mm -hmm. they're yeah. invulnerable. They don't risk anything. Their face is not there. Their real name is not there. Yep. It's easy to lack vulnerability online. You can curate how your life looks. Yep. And what I try and do with sharing my message, because I don't have that physical stage, mm -hmm. is to be as raw as I can be. And not intentionally. I think it's just who I who I am to my friends in person, actually. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, great. I, I appreciate what you said about vulnerability is the key to connection and um, technology. Uh, you know, it comes with its advantages and disadvantages. Disadvantage being right now that if we would be having like a fireside chat on a stage, it would be very different with a real crowd in front of us. Uh, there'd, be, there'd be a different energy. But having said that, who knows, perhaps this conversation would not be possible if, if it would not be for the tools that we have available right now. So it's, it's all about, I think, injecting some more energy into it. It's all about thinking from the other person's point of view. Um, you know, we had to struggle with similar challenges. And what we did was very similar. If you've, I'm sure you must have come across James Clear's work on Atomic Habits. Um, it, this book called Atomic Habits and the very first chapter where he introduced the 1% um, principle which he talks about the British cycling coach um, about a decade back who, when he took over the team had not won a single gold medal or, or any medal at all in the Olympics for several years for more than a decade what this gentleman did was he said let's break down every small component of cycling and let's improve it as much as we can uh, even if it's a slight improvement, even if it's how the, the tires are and how, you know, what sort of nutrition the athlete is getting or et cetera, et cetera. Every minute detail, let's improve it by 1%. 
And what they find out is what the pr same principle we used in improving our interaction with our virtual audiences was, let's take every single component of this experience. Uh, let's take lighting, let's take the sound, let's take the acoustics of the room, let's take the bandwidth, let's take interaction. So yeah, if you're enjoying this conversation, guys, so far, do, do us a favor. Tell us in the comment section, number one, where in the world are you tuning in from? It'll be great to know that. And number two, um, you know, what are the things um, that, that have inspired you the most during this pandemic? Would love to get a conversation started there, too. So thinking on these lines, you know, I say, OK, I would usually ask my audience if, if, when, when I was in front of a live audience, if you agree to this, raise your hands and I'd have a raised hand so I know we're on the right track. But now you do the same through the comment box. So. Um, or some other medium, right? Or the raise hand button on the Microsoft Teams. So uh, I think two things were very helpful. Number one was let's let's take down the small, tiny components and improve them one percent, so that when we add them up together, the end outcome, the the improvement would be way bigger, right? Uh, as far as the end outcome is concerned, that was number one. And number two was let's put some creativity into it. Let's just distance. Let's just get over the fact that we cannot be on that stage anymore in person. Let's detach from the past. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's Move stop complaining. On, totally. Right. I always think it's interesting when I when I see speakers say they're a virtual speaker on on LinkedIn, and, and I'm not saying this is wrong at all, guys, but it's interesting because my generation we've wherever we speak we've had to especially when you're in the media you have to speak on radio in audio uh -huh. you have to be able to communicate on live and on pre-recorded television and in a studio and then so wherever the message has whatever platform the message has to fly on it has to fly but yeah. i'm i am in some facebook virtual speaker groups and the the freak out that happened at the beginning of the pandemic and still a lot of people saying i don't want to accept gigs because i'm not comfortable with this um that and that holding on for when will the stages come back, I think that that is not going to serve um, serve us. Yeah, we have to just move on with it. Right. Absolutely. We've got to stop complaining about it and then use the same same energy to see what you can do with these virtual tools. And there's so many exciting things that you can do, yeah. right? So, yeah, that, that was very helpful. So thank you for your for your tips on that. Um, and uh, But I think partly perhaps you were already trained for this because if you work in the radio and other sort of mediums, you're already used to the fact that only a sound is going to someone who's tuning in in a car at the moment, so there can be no feedback, but you're already used to making sure your message is... Yeah, crystal. I'm very used to talking one way, and that's mm -hmm. something that absolutely is a skill. So even when I do videos that are pre-recorded solo on social media, there is a way that I'm able to talk to people to feel that I'm live and I'm with them and I'm actually talking to them, uh -huh. even though it's one way. And one of those things is, you know, I always try and look at my insights of any platform I have. And I, I like to imagine we used to call it a listener avatar on the radio. But for me, it's a it's kind of a follower avatar. And most of my followers are Asian women between 25 and 44. And I imagine that woman and I speak to that woman and by imagining her the way my language lands, the way my accent lands, the way the nuances of how I use case studies in those stories, examples that are resonant to her, the way I soften and engage in my eyes because I know that I can be a bit threatening to women as well. You know, all of these things, when we talk about the 1% the, the of communication, if those tweaks, those small tweaks that we're talking about, they all add up. And that's when you watch somebody's things and you think, wow, they're a great communicator. It's it's a combination of all those tiny things that most people aren't thinking about, which people like me get trained from day dot to do, mm -hmm. uh, but are really valuable and worth sharing with other people during this time. And that's what I do online. I just give heaps of free tips away for free and, sure. and think that that's a fantastic way to connect with people in a time of need as well. Absolutely, yes. I love your videos on LinkedIn. They're short, crisp, to the point, and actionable takeaways. That, that's what I love about them, um, and which is great. Keep them coming. And guys, please, if you have, uh, just send out a connection request to Simon on LinkedIn, and if you qualify to be accepted, you will be, and you'll gain a wealth of wisdom there. <laughs> Before I move further to my next question, Simon, any tips, uh, top tips for, for virtual keynote speakers or keynote speakers who feel that, okay, now with this whole pandemic thing and travel not happening, they're losing out, they're not being able to adapt. What would your top tips would be uh, from your experience, from your wealth of experience? Yeah, so I think actually before we get into logistics of it, we have to think about the mindset shift. And I really am a big fan. I think mindset is what makes people invaluable and strategy is what makes us win. So you don't have strategy without mindset. It's really valuable. I would try and get myself out of the threat 
mindset. There is a lack. When we have a lack mindset, like there is not enough work, it, things used to be better back in the good old days, all these kind of statements, they manifest into a reality. So the first thing I do is flip into an abundance mindset. Look at all the ways I can spread my message. Podcast, great time to write a book right now. Very you know, if you've got not much happening in your speaking business, great time to go and do that. Amazing. How blessed are all of the speakers who have a one-on-one coaching component or a small group coaching component in their business? People who were speakers who just did keynotes, you that's a really tough place to be in. But if you had a healthy coaching arm and you loved to coach that way, gosh, you know, people, the coaching part of my business just went crazy because people mm-hmm. wanted one-on-one connection very badly, right. but people right. also had downtime to self-educate mm-hmm. in a way that they hadn't. Busy executives who had the money to pay premium coaching rates. So I think that there's so much possibility anytime we have a huge shift in culture um, right. and a huge disruption culture. For those who are agile enough, there is um, fantastic opportunity. Now, to the question of the people who that maybe are not so agile, who don't speak internet, like I have two girls working for me who I say, I say, you two speak internet. I can tell them to make any graphic. I could draw it on paper and describe it and then they could just make it. Like they speak internet. Wow, the fairies. You know, the beautiful thing about the world now being all virtual is that you can find afford, afford, um, affordable graphic stuff, mm-hmm. video editors, um, virtual assistants anywhere on the internet to help you for the things that you find challenging, stressful and foreign until they're no longer foreign to you and yep. get that person to teach you what it is mm-hmm. as they're doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Teach teach you how to fish. You don't have to do it for yourself, but at least in your own speaking business, you can see how it works and how it has benefit. I think those things are really important. Absolutely. I think the whole thing about free, having freelancers, having young talent, people who have skills that you don't, you know, so Absolutely. that you can... You Fill can, the gap, you, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you can collaborate on creating something great together. Uh, I love that concept. I myself use freelancers, you know, from uh, Fiverr or from Upwork and et cetera, et cetera. It's been very helpful to delegate sort of the things. Um, and I think two key t- takeaways from what you've said so far. One is um, strengthen the core, delegate the periphery things. So things which somebody else can do and is better at them, let them do it. Right. And uh, in the meanwhile, use the same time and energy and resources to strengthen the core of what you're really good at. And I, yeah, personally, I feel so travel. Here's how travel would disrupt my creative plans. I mean, it was great. I mean, you know, but how, how the disruption would happen. Let's say started a project. We're going to redo a web page or redo a brochure. And then the next keynote would come up and say, OK, forgotten all about it because I'm a single track person. I focus all my energy, my time, my creativity on the keynote. And then I come back and then start it over again. And it would never be finished. So this is a wonderful time, guys, for all the coaches, speakers, trainers who feel you have more time at hand. This is a time to concentrate and do the things which you could not do earlier right so um, uh, the next thing I want to talk to you about Simone is um, I watched one of your recent YouTube videos and I saw that you spoke about this book uh, which yes. is one of my favorites also man's search, man's search for meeting by meaning. Victor Frankl it's fantastic it's a yep. it's a incredible book life changed my life mm-hmm. and that's the story I want to listen to what sure. impact did this have on you how did you discover your purpose and how can young people who are at a loss right now who feel they're without direction, they don't have mentors, they feel alone, they feel confused, young 22, 23-year-olds who are making their mistakes but you know, don't know where things are going to head towards. Um, yeah, let's talk about the screen. Sure. Well, firstly, if you are in that position, I know how painful it can be to feel lost. I'm a very type A person, so being lost and directionless without purpose, it's, it actually causes me more stress. Um, and so I want you to first be compassionate and kind to yourself if you're experiencing that. So my story was in 2013, my mother suffered a huge stroke and she ended up in a wheelchair. And I was living in Dubai at the time where Simajit has also lived. Mm. And... As a good Asian daughter, I always knew, because my father had already passed away from cancer when I was 19, that when the last parent would be in that position, that I would have to go home. I'd been an expat for 10 years in a way. And so the pool was there and I went back to Australia. And very quickly, after taking care of my mum and a lot of the associated things that come when someone is paralyzed in your family, um, I really lost myself and I stopped creating. And I had never connected my identity with being a creative, I identified myself as somebody who worked as a talent in the media. 
but I didn't realize that at the base of that was this childhood need to create. And I'm still very creative. And I'd lost that along the way. I'd become almost like a commodity in the media industry. I'd lost touch of that connection. So that had already happened prior to this incident. Um, prior to mum getting sick, but it compounded because I was also in a place, my hometown is Perth in Western Australia. It's very quiet and people already had established friendship groups. So I was also very lonely, lacking human connection. And it was a perfect storm of all of these different factors that got me going to the doctor one day and saying, look, I keep bursting out in tears while I'm driving my car. I um, I'm normally such a highly motivated person. I really don't feel myself. I think that was the biggest thing. Like, I don't know who I am in the mirror anymore. I do not identify this person and her behavior as me. Mm-hmm. And so he made me fill out what they use in Australia's depression survey. And you have to tick things like, do you want to get out of bed in the morning? And for me, it was like, yes, I want to get out of bed. In fact, I think my frustration was I was trying to do things, but nothing I was creating was landing because my mental space was not good. And that's one thing that I want you to know. If you are... Mm-hmm tired, lost, purposeless right now, go easy on yourself because if if you're creative, that mindset actually affects how you produce. So the focus should not be on producing, producing, producing. It should be on getting yourself emotionally to a better place first. So then the doctor, who I learned later through stalking him, like almost 10 years later, is a Korean war vet. He looks at the survey and he puts it down, he says, Simone, you know, you're not depressed. You just need to go back out to a place where you can do what you love in the way you love to do it. Wow. And your prescription today is this book. It's not a large book. He didn't even have it in his hands. He said, it's not a large book. Because I think he, when he sees young people, he thinks if I told him to read a book, they'll be like, oh, God, a long book. He goes, it's not a long book. He said, it's by Victor Frankl. And he said, it's a man who survived the concentration camps in yep. um during the Nazi occupation. And that just that, you know, when someone says to you World War II concentration camp, and I've visited concentration camps when I lived in Switzerland, in that moment, you are, your ego and your narcissism and the hole that you're in, you are just snapped. And when somebody says, you know, the Holocaust, immediately what that, immediately by saying that gave me a level of context, which is also how I knew I kind of wasn't depressed because I have dealt with my mum's depression as a result of the disease she has. And that was almost like an overwhelming, like no one has ever lost a husband before her kind of all-encompassing thing. So I knew I wasn't depressed because I could see immediately the context. I, I had immediate, um, immediate proportion for my problems against right. what he was saying. And then he went deeper and he said, you know, in this book, this man um, works out what compels people to live, those people that survived the camps and those who did not, what divides them. Um, And I'm not going to give it away because I want everyone watching this to read it because it's a timeless, timeless book. Um, But I I left the doctor's clinic and I drove immediately to my local bookstore and there was one copy left on the shelf. It is still the copy of this book I have today. Mm -hmm. But every time I have been able to, I do buy copies to give as gifts to other people who I feel are in the position that they need it because I know this is never going to go out of print. It's always, I can always buy another one. Um, And it absolutely changed my life. And recently I went back to Australia to visit my mum and I tried to find this doctor. He's retired. He no longer works there. And um, he wouldn't allow me to have his, they wouldn't allow me to have his email, but they did send my message. I sent him an email and they forwarded it onto him, which actually shows a really healthy practitioner that he's got those boundaries because the reason counselors, therapists and doctors do that, and I'm sure Marissa Pierce probably told you something similar, is they want any time that you're in a position that you need them again, that that client doctor privilege has not been crossed so that if you need them again, they can still serve you. And I love that. So I was like, oh, I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm forever grateful to him. And I sent him the link to the video. I don't think he has an Instagram account, but I sent him a link to the video anyway. That's a powerful story about, and I, and I think one of my major takeaways, and guys, as you're listening, I'd love to listen to your takeaways as well in the comments section um, to tell us what is the number one thing that you're uh, walking away from this conversation with at the moment as we speak. My biggest takeaway from what I picked from your story there is if you're not doing what you love, if you're not giving the voice to your childhood dreams or you to, or to your inborn natural talents, uh, you are going to feel... Uh, without a purpose, you are going to feel directionless because here's this 
whole river of creativity inside, as you mentioned, you know, as a child, that's what, what, what you wanted to do. But you ended up in circumstances which you felt stifled your creativity. You could not express yourselves in ways that you wanted to. And that was part of the reason why. And it was, uh, you know, a few layers deep. And if we just look at things the way we would typically, superficially, we'll just go for the pill. You know, here's a feel-good pill, and I don't want to go deeper. I don't want to peel the layers and uncover. So, guys, the message is very loud and clear. Peel the layers, find out what is at the core of you feeling without a purpose and direction. Go back to your childhood. Think about what excited you the most. What were your childhood yeah. dreams? And it's yeah. never, never too late. I, I'm reminded, uh, Simon, uh, of this um, Randy Posh, Professor Randy Posh, the last lecture. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. And this is the talk that he gave uh, on the Oprah show, I believe. Yes, and this is before I love that. he passed away. And he did the push ups on the stage, and his whole message was about this only go back to your childhood and think about those dreams came to you for a reason, right? They came to you um, because of some natural talent that you have. And if you're not allowing that natural talent to flourish, you will feel without a purpose. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from this book, from this very powerful book. And for everyone who's been asking for book recommendations, this one right here at the top of the list, Dr. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meeting, Meaning. And he says, um, in concentration camps, every circumstance conspires to make the prisoner lose his hold all familiar goals in life are snatched away what alone remains is the last of human freedoms the ability to choose one's attitude the ability yeah. to choose one's attitude in a Isn't given set incredible? of circumstances that is so powerful gives me goosebumps every time i read it the ability to choose our attitude. no one, no one can take your that part of your will like i think that um and i, I just want to echo uh, a couple of things firstly Samajit, what you said about um peel the layers i i talk to people about that in terms of self-connection right. so you can't connect with your environment with other people with other humans until you really know why you're feeling it when you're feeling it what's causing those things and i think at that age in my early 30s i had a lot of family trauma i had a lot of things going on that clouded um and that particular doctor also explained to me about fight or flight because I was having memory loss and I was scared I had the same condition as my mum. And in the end, it was just brought on by the stress of what was happening with the family. And so sometimes you think you're going crazy. This, that. There is an explanation for exactly what you're feeling. But if you don't get those alerts and tap into that and, and go and see somebody therapist, doctor, whoever you want to see, coach, guru, uh -huh. and, and ask those questions, that connection will never happen. So um, I think that that is, is so, so vital, so vital. Yeah, this is your bio, this is your mind and your body giving you feedback. Mm -hmm. I call it, we have yeah. a written And listen to it. Yeah, Don't ignore it. That's mm -hmm. when we ignore that. That's where disconnection happens. Indeed. You know, and just back onto the topic of feeling purposeless. Um, mm -hmm. Australian palliative care nurse Bonnie Ware very mm -hmm. famously wrote a book called Regrets of the Dying, and this is particularly pertinent for those of us watching this that are Asian. Um, and she says the number one regret of the dying is that. Uh, people chose to live a life for other people, not for themselves. And yeah. having sat at my mum's nursing home for hours and hours in that one and a half years, um, none of those people on their deathbed are talking about the money they earned, how secure mm. their bank account is, and all of the things that you spend your life building. Right. So really all you have on the journey that you can take with you is that you lived your life to your highest expression, that you lived your life um, for things that really lit you on fire and mm -hmm. not for the cultural expectations of your uncles, your aunties, your parents. Yeah. I wasted many years of my life living mm -hmm. for the opinions of gossipy aunties right. and being and, small. And for trying the, to for live up to aunties. those expectations yeah. and falling short every single time and realizing yeah. no matter what you do, uh, they will have something to point out. Right? Same, so, and if you do nothing, they will right. still. There's a certain kind of auntie who's still going to point things out. So yeah. you better go off and do what it is that sets you on fire. And recently, on that trip back to Australia, you know, a lot of these um, people that lauded this kind of influence over me, you know, they're now in the winter of their lives, Simajit. Right. Like they imagine if I had spent the last 20 years and I stayed in Perth and I, I married some Australian dude and I kept my life small to keep them happy mm -hmm. um, and I didn't do anything that resembled my dreams to mm -hmm. conform, 
And then when they bow out of life because of simply age, I will be 40, you know, a few years. They will have bowed out of life and said goodbye. And I would be left with 20 years of something I built that I didn't want to be in. Uh-huh. So I'm so glad I honored those dreams. Yep. It, it, was, it was like looking at the fork in the road. It was like going, oh, this is what it could have been. So honor your dreams. You deserve to honor your dreams and back them up with hard work. Love that. Love that. Honor your dreams and back them up with the hard work. And no matter in what situation you find yourself, you can always start all over again, right? You don't have to say, oh, I've come so far. It's like the, they have the syndrome in the stock market. You know, if a stock price is going down, I put more money in because I want to average out and make sure my average holding cost goes down, which is sort of the fallacy. So that, you know, I still want to hold on to it. I want to do whatever I can, desperate measures in order to recover this. But hey, you know, things work differently in your life. If you feel you're in a position where you've spent a large chunk of your life doing something that is not making you happy today don't be afraid to start all over again you are never too old absolutely absolutely let's, so let's, let, let's for everybody please type this in the comment section i'm never too old to live the life of my dreams <laughs> let's do it now absolutely. right You're never absolutely. too old before we move on to the next subject of a, of our discussion and i just want to close the loop on the we've been talking about purpose a lot and this jumped out from i have this uh little uh, reminder to share this in today's conversation from Dr. Viktor Frankl's book. He said, the central theme of existence is suffering. To live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in your suffering. So guys, no matter where you are, uh, if you think somebody else's life is perfect or it appears to be on Instagram or LinkedIn or <laughs> whatever the whatever it is. To be, <laughs> it's not, right? And Simone, I'm sure we can vouch for that. It's not perfect. We have our issues, our things to deal with. And yet we put on our best faces, our best smiles and do the work that we have to do. That's how we find meaning. Yeah, you know that you're getting better in life when like the problems just are better problems. I think that yeah. when I set up my own business, like, like my problems are just <laughs> better, better problems. problems. And there's mm-hmm. a famous quote my friend shared with me and I think it's from a, a guru of some kind that she follows and he uh-huh. says, you know, let life break your heart. Wow. You know, and that's the thing. That. Like, lean into that suffering. It is yep. there. It will always be there. Let it release and let it do its thing and become more resilient as a result. Because the heartbreak that. will always be there. Yeah. I love that. Let life break your heart. So don't walk around life, you know, arms folded, yeah, being defensive. Disconnected. Disconnected. Mm-hmm. You may end up safe, but dynamic hey. for life. Right. Is that? That's safety. You may be safe on the journey, but you're not experiencing anything, right? So I love that. Let life break your heart. That's the next takeaway, guys, in the comment section, please, down below. Type it in yeah. if, you, if, you, if it resonates with you, because it did with me. I love it. Let life break your heart, which means take, your, take those risks. Make yourselves vulnerable. You know, reach out, do things that you have to do. Sometimes you'll win you'll get the thing that you want to other times you'll have experience and that's even better so it's 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 going great uh, simone i really appreciate um the direction in which this conversation is heading now your niche and area of expertise is a human connection right you're a speaker specifically you're not a motivational speaker uh well i'm sure the side effect of some of your uh, of all of your talks ends up being motivation and inspiration and self-introspection uh, but your niche is very targeted, very specific, is human connection. So tell us, what is it? What drew you to it? And how can we have more of it in our lives in this tech-driven world? Thank you, Simajit. I think that um, he makes uh, Simajit makes an amazing point, is that connection is the through line into, into almost everything we do. And I'll take you back with me to explain this to the tribe when we were evolving as early man. So we had safety in numbers. The tribe kept us safe. We were cavemen with spears, the whole thing. And when we were pregnant and slowing down the tribe, the other tribe's women would gather food for us to feed our family. If we were injured out in the hunt, the other tribesmen would bring back game to feed our family. And at night when we slept, a different member of the tribe would take turns to keep watch for predators. So the tribe literally kept us safe. And as a result of that, our neurology became crystallized and wired to find safety in numbers. Even in this hyper-modern world that we're living in, we still need connection to satisfy our basic human needs. If you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you've got basic needs like your shelter, your food, and just above that is a need for love and connection. So we don't function well without it. This is why Mm -hmm. trauma of disconnection childhoods affects people the way that it does. But what is really dangerous in this very digital world that we're living in is... um, 
when we're removed from the tribe, so back in the cave, if we happen to be cast out of the tribe for whatever reason, our body would go into fight or flight response because we were literally vulnerable to predators, right? right? Like now we're alone. We can't protect ourselves. We can't yeah. hide in the tree forever. And what we're seeing now is where people suffer from loneliness. If you have a bout of loneliness, it's actually great. It's the body's alarm to telling you, you have to go and connect. And we would have all experienced that in the last year. And we can now connect by picking up the phone. We don't have to do it in person if it means risking the COVID, right? But what happens, which is dangerous to us in the way we live now in this very digital world that we live in, is when that loneliness is chronic, when those stress hormones like norepinephrine, cortisol are chronically released into our system over long, long periods of time and people with depression experience this, it means that we are then at risk of a lot of life-shortening diseases. So things like, yeah. And so this is why there's so many studies linking people who experience loneliness to having a much shorter life expectancy. Loneliness is more dangerous than smoking and diabetes. It kills more people than that. So... We have to look at this not just as a woo-woo topic yeah. that, yes, I tell emotional stories, yes, but it's backed by um, some really big studies that show how important this is to our our ability to thrive. And that's, I think, where a lot of the motivational stuff that I talk about on social media comes from, even though on stages I really do keep it to human connection, is that thriving part Right. does not happen. And I'm very interested in that thriving part, but I know it doesn't exist without the connection part. And I know that because I live disconnection through periods of my life, my father mm-hmm. dying in front of me, my mother becoming disabled, you know, I've lived it. So I've yep. seen how it sabotaged my ability to fly. And I want other people to know if they don't already through COVID, but I want people to really know that this is not a third fourth level need this is really important to us and particularly for the generation younger than me mm-hmm. um, you know i'll post videos about human connection on tiktok and i'll get comments like i don't need human connection i need wi-fi connection because <laughs> the phone has been the appendage since birth mm-hmm. there is no awareness of how prudent it is you know you need this as a skill in the future workforce because people don't have it and how much craving and thirst there is for connection once a TikTok kid of 12 becomes 20 and yep. doesn't know how to have a conversation and feels right. socially awkward, then, you know, I don't want it to get to that point. So I try and share what I can on it. And how I got into the topic was um, obviously I was working in radio prior to this and the, the corporation I was working at, people were really disconnected. And this is where I saw the correlation between great content, creativity and human connection. I say that disconnected people cannot make content that connects, content that lands. So the toxicity of the workplace was then affecting the quality of the product that went out to the market. And I had never seen that. And I'd worked all over the world in media. Mm -hmm. And I realized if this workplace is experiencing this, how many other people are experiencing this? Mm -hmm. And at the very same time this was happening, my mum's disease was getting to the point where she was struggling to remember that my dad had passed away, really forgetting things. So I was having issues connecting with her. So everywhere I looked, connection was like what I call an RSS feed from the universe. It was hitting me in the face. Mm. And then I was working with a mentor who's a professional speaker and I had started to do um, some research on it and really started to see everything correlate. And I think that's when I realized this is the message that I'm supposed to have because a lot of connection, if we go beyond the emotional stuff and the science I've just shared, a lot of the tools, the things that become practical for people are actually communication tips, which I know innately from media. So it was a perfect storm of good things this time. Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. And I think uh, the um, what it, this thought just occurred to me while you were sharing your, uh, you know, your experiences moving into this direction and finding your niche in this thing that um, if we don't stop, we are the happiest. We are, we are uh, at, in experiencing joy and bliss when we have this sense and feeling of, oh, there's somebody I could reach out to help or there's somebody who genuinely understands me. And I think you rightly pointed out the connection between the connection between connection and creativity at the workplace. Teams which feel more connected, they have the psychological safety, they cre- create more ideas because they're not afraid of embarrassment or somebody's going to call it out. Absolutely. But they're also more, um, so they're not doing what I call giving face, which is 
pretending to like someone when they're really hating them. So they're not in touch with their own feelings, uh-huh. which means they can't sense what the audience is feeling. Do you understand what I mean? Because they are themselves, in addition to all the things you've mentioned. Right. Now, could people have barriers that are stopping them from building connection? Now, it, it is a great place to be, rightly, and you, you are sort of championing this cause, rightly so, for tech firms, for everybody, um, because the more technology we have, and despite knowing this, still our vision of success does not include connection. It includes, you know, that big mansion, that nice new car, that whole lifestyle that we are supposed to have, and then loneliness, right? Could be, be, we the connection, community, um, being part of... A, Right. Absolutely. And so many other superstars who find themselves lonely at the top. Right. So it does. It is still not there in our version of success. But the question that is coming to my mind at this point of time, Simone, is this. Could people could do we build barriers to connection? So let's say somebody who's slipped slipped into depression and has the urge, knows the need and wants to reach out and establish a connection. But could they I'm, I'm sure they have a huge role to play in this, too. Right. It's not it's not a one way thing. What are the most common barriers have you encountered in people who fail to make connections and how can we overcome them? Yeah, I think one of the things that I can talk from personal experience, and it's in my Future of Human Connection speech, um, is at the lowest point of isolation, I started to say to myself, look, I'm the only 31-year-old with a father in a grave and a mother in a wheelchair. And that's, of course, a deep untruth, but that was a seed of a thought that began to enable me to isolate further. And I think having seen my mum when she was going through depression as well, um, that it's those kind of thoughts that create the physical barrier. Uh, a second thing, and these, these are symptoms also coming out of the pandemic to do with the social awkwardness, which is related to this, the barriers to connection, okay? Second thing is a yearning to want to be around other people, but the minute you are freaking out and wanting to be by yourself mm-hmm. because it's so overwhelming because you've been isolated. So people who are depressed, for example, also isolation is correlative with that. So they could probably have started self-isolating and not wanting to answer phone calls or be around people. But there still might be a tiny seed of wanting to see people, but it's just too overwhelming. Right. Another thing that happens is also oversharing. So we would have seen this during the pandemic. Um, this is – you one okay – Oversharing is actually a barrier to connection because it repels connection. So I'll give you an example. At one point, my mum, and I know because on radio, they incentivized us to overshare for entertainment, which (laughs) is also my objection to having been in that line of work. But, you know, my mum was so lonely towards uh, just before having a stroke that she would go to the mall just to buy things so she could talk to the lady at the checkout counter and then tell her whole life story. And, of course, then the person at the checkout counter is like, whoa, too much. So vulnerability is a dance so it starts with what i call self-disclosure and that is where we can give small bits of information about our day or our favorite food and we're looking for cues and feedback from the other person to build rapport do they reciprocate so i'm like oh my oh my god i absolutely love nasi lemak my favorite singapore dish oh my god here down the road there's the best nasi lemak restaurant that's the banter mm-hmm. oversharing giving vulnerability before there's trust is oversharing So if you can see that showing up in your life, that means you're actually really thirsty for connection. Underneath those layers, you're actually lonely. Mm -hmm. And I did that for many, many years of my life. I always say I was confident like a con artist. I wasn't truly confident from inside. I was confident like a con artist because it was always veiled, like it was oversharing, not true vulnerability. There wasn't a listening. There was only a telling. Um, so connection is a delicate dance. And those are just a few things that are coming out, out of the pandemic. Um, and, of course, people having outbursts because they're misreading social cues. So obviously outbursts are also a barrier to connection. So that's happening because we've been socially distanced. So the nuances of picking up people's feelings, sometimes we can tread on toes the wrong way. So my key to all of these post-pandemic or pandemic awkwardness connection barrier issues is basically to try and listen first. Mm -hmm. That's a really great way to start. If if you're gingerly putting your toe in um, before you're ready to kind of share your first bit of self-disclosure, um, connect with another person, just listen and see their mood and then build rapport. And then rapport is a whole other thing with tips on how to build rapport. But um, I think there are the, the worst barriers to connection are actually the psychological ones, the ones that we tell ourselves to keep us alone. 
that no one likes us, that we're not good enough. You know, those are the things that keep us alone. Yeah, and most I remember uh, Marissa Peer talking in her. Yes. Yeah, you're a big fan of Marissa's. I, Massive I fan. Yeah. Huge wonderful fan. Human, wonderful human being. And um, I think we spoke for about 45 minutes. Uh, and the one thing that has stayed with me ever since, it's been more than a year now, is um, I am enough. And I love that philosophy. And, and yeah. I've probably heard those words before somewhere in some motivational quote somewhere. But the way she builds up to that message, that's a central message, I am enough. Mm-hmm. So um, that got me thinking that in order to build healthy relationships outside with other people, I also need to build a healthy relationship with myself first, not coming from a place of being needy or, or yeah. you know, being, being insecure, but also so that the rendezvous that happens with the other person lifts the emotions of both the people um, at the moment. So it's not just yes. me me saying, hey, look, I'm empty. Can you fill me up with something? You know, I need your attention, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we, we cannot have good self, good connection with others without great self-connection with ourselves. So yeah. a lot of the stuff Marissa shares is traditional therapy. I know she has her own, but I, the reason she resonates so much with me is a lot of therapy I've done is very much the same wording and the same school of thought as Marissa. And one of the things that will come up again and again as a limiting, what they call limiting belief for a lot of people in therapy is I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy of love. Um, These are like really, really common. And there is something when someone says to you, Simone, Simiji, this is a really common statement. What happens is we immediately feel less alone. Right. If my com- if my limiting belief is told by 80% of the population as their own limiting belief, mm-hmm. like I'm not good enough, I don't want to speak on a stage, I'm not good enough, all of this kind of stuff, then that means I'm less alone. So there's something connective in the yeah. telling of that. And right. that's why I think the work Marissa does is so helpful to the world because she's just letting what happens in private and therapy out on YouTube pre-roll. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Yeah, I like what you said about if you get to know that other people are suffering with the same issues as you do, you're probably going to feel a little bit more okay with it. You know, just like if somebody has hay fever or allergies, seasonal allergies, and you're like, okay, I've got 70% of the population having the same thing. You suddenly don't get that feeling, oh, why me? And I think that why me sort of self-beating is a very dangerous place to be in because we become our own worst enemies. And um, I I usually do this visualization, you know, sort of this mental... uh, thing before I travel to a large conference or something just for networking or just for so networking not for the sake of you know knowing more people but networking for the sake of that here are 3,000 people under the same roof what will you do in the next three days to make sure you reach out and connect with them so what I do is I put on my favorite piece of music I visualize myself in the same set of clothes that I'll be wearing during in that conference and and I just visualize, you know, reaching out to people, shaking hands. Well, I don't know how it's going to be post-COVID, <laughs> right? <laughs> Namaste, perhaps, from a distance. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah. And um, I let that play in my mind. You know, I, I visualize people coming up to me and starting conversations. I visualize people responding positively when I reach out to them. And I just play this a couple of times in my mind. And I sit with those vibrations. And I sit with that sort of mental image. That really helps. You know, I, I flew to Jack Canfield's program. Um, 2016, the Breakthrough to Success and the Train the Trainer program. And we had more than 250 people from across the United States and different parts of the world. And um, it, it was going with that vibrational place. And I think I made some wonderful friends out there because you're receptive, you're open, you're, you are vibrating at a level where people would want to say, hey, you know what's going on? You know, they, they would want to initiate a conversation or you do it either way. So I think a lot of inner work, that's what we're coming to now is guys, you need the inner work as Simone rightly said, we need the inner work and also in terms of your jack hanford conference you're tapping into something which i always talk about which is commonality connects when you're looking at those people that signed up for that program there is something that is a collective purpose that you share and you're like-minded and connection is expedited in that process so if you're thirsty for connection think of what you love maybe not what you're doing right now maybe think of what you were doing before you were in this rut what were you doing as a kid that you loved right maybe it was painting go and join the painting group uh-huh. Find the like-minded people that lift you up and you'll find that um, that will help a lot. You know, there are three rungs of 
of loneliness, okay, according to a study, the, the initial is intimate loneliness. This is where we yearn and we hope for an intimate partner. Then there is relational loneliness. This is where we're yearning for maybe a better relationship with our mother or father or close friends and family. Maybe we don't have close friends. And the final is collective loneliness. This is yearning for people with the same purpose as you and mm-hmm. share like-minded people. So if we go through and we could fill these three rungs you know, we're going to get the connection we need. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it like that, maybe that will cause a shift for you in terms of the places you're looking right. to feel connection in your life. If you have strong family ties and you have a loving husband, wife, partner, then maybe the thing that's getting you down is actually you need a hobby group. Yep. Yeah. And so I know for, for myself personally, when I aligned those three rungs, my whole life changed. I, I was really able to get to the highest version of me. And obviously that never ends. Lots of things to keep making better. I uh, would like to do better at my wellness, would like to get much less agitated and be much more patient. These are things that are still in process, but we wouldn't even be near a place where I could start addressing those things had the connection not been in line. So you've got to get your connection in line and you get your connection in line by getting yourself in line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And identify which stage are you at, as you rightly said, if you have a wonderful connection of, you know, group of friends and family to support you, do you want to reach out to a larger community now? Is that something that is missing um, or to a noble cause or contribute or serve? And um, I think my personal, the way the way I look at it is we have to take initiative. We, we should not, you know, like your hobby group is not going to approach you and say, hey, we think you have the sort of painter in you and would you like to come and join us? And that might happen once in once in a thousand times that that might happen very rarely but take that initiative right identify um on my some of my worst days you know just doing an fb live could brighten things up yes for me yes agreed for me posting content that touches people and respond uh to their comments definitely makes me feel more connected to like-minded people for sure because i i don't really have so I have a few friends like that in Singapore in the speaker field, in the coaching field, but not a huge amount. A lot of them are girlfriends um, my age overseas in the same line of work. And so we do it digitally. And it's you can absolutely, in the current environment we're experiencing, do it digitally. But I would recommend when we can go back in person, technology is the aid. It's the support to in-person connection. But because of the opposite person we need from touch, eventually we will need that in-person connection again. And people are already craving it, so they know that. Yeah, and it's going to come back and things will come back to normal, even better than before. But in the meanwhile, guys, just understand it's the little things that make life uh, better. It's, it's the little things. It's the small gestures you do for others or others do for you. They make life worthwhile living. So yeah, we, we anticipated about 45 minutes for this conversation. It's been 52 minutes of uh, a lot of wisdom and you know a lot of tips and strategies on building connection. Before we let you go, um, Simone, two very important questions. Um, one is, um, talk to us about your online community, CourageousSpeaking.com, and what is it all about, and how can people enroll, and how can and how does it add value to people? Sure. So I set up CourageousSpeaking.com this time, well, April of last year at the height of the pandemic, we started working on it. And it is a membership community, annual membership for people who want to become better communicators and connectors. And actually connect with their authentic voice is my mm-hmm. most important thing that makes the community different and how it adds value is i give next level cutting edge communications uh, tools from my time in broadcasting as well as my time as a speaker uh, for literally almost student friendly prices so 15 us dollars a month is all it is to be part of that community and yeah, it yeah, has guys. Because there's a huge uh, community we have, especially on YouTube, Simone, and they're all hungry for, they want to improve their communication skills. That's number one skill in demand in the Indian subcontinent right now for whatever reason. Yes. So guys, um, head over to Simone's YouTube channel, reach out to her for CourageousSpeaking.com for discovering your authentic voice. Love that. Yes, please. Thank you so much. Um, And the second question, Simajit, if you can remind me again, I got so excited about that one. No, it's uh, courageous speaking and what does it help people? I mean, what, what are the top tips you'd like to share with the viewers right now? I, mean, I don't want you to give away the whole thing, but maybe two no, or three, thi- two, two or three sure. things that you feel that um, 
you know, I, I feel uh, machines are getting better. They are getting so much better at artificial intelligence and machine learning, and they pick up random patterns and they're improving, self-improving human beings. We're not getting better at the things that we are supposed to be doing, empathy, mm -hmm. understanding, communication, all mm -hmm. these things. So please uh, share with us from uh, your perspective of CourageousSpeaking.com. What are the top things, people who are listening right now, corporate professionals, youngsters, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. what are the maybe the top two or three things we can incorporate into our mindset to be sure. become better at the art of connecting and communicating? Sure. So CourageousSpeaking.com has, you get 12 annual webinars, um, you know, 12 webinars across the year. You get access to me for your questions as well. And of course, a beautiful like-minded community, which is what we've been talking about before. I can tell you the core of building connection is trust and we don't get trust without rapport. So here is a huge, huge tip in terms of connecting. You know, people have always said, um, you know, we should you know, do for others as we would like to have done to ourselves, right? But we actually should do more than that. We should communicate with people 80% to how they like. So if you can be of service in your communication, and we'll talk about being of service to your community in a second, but if you can inconvenience yourself in your communication to communicate in the way that the other person you're trying to connect with likes to communicate, talk about the things they like to talk about, have the body language they express, have the accent neutralized so they can understand us and not have to struggle. Right. Then that is going to make them only have to do 20% to connect with us. And that connection is going to happen so much faster. So in the community, we teach all those tools like rapport building, uh, speaking, clarity, voice, body language, all of that. Um, and that's really important. The other thing that I can say, if you want more human connection in your life, one of the best ways you can do it, and I know Simajit does it very well because um, I watched his speech at the UN, is to be of service to your community. When we're of service to something bigger than ourselves, it pulls us out of our depression. It pulls us out of our feeling of woe and pity. It reminds us that people are suffering more than us in the community that's larger than us. So we remember we're part of the tribe, that we're important to the tribe. The yeah. tribe has not forgotten us. And we also are reminded that we can make a difference. So our existence matters, which is a lot of what Victor Frankl talks about in the book as well. So yeah. please, how can you be of service? And you know what? If you're in lockdown and you cannot literally go and volunteer somewhere, you can find someone. One of the people I've interviewed is a lady called she Shelley Tagilski from Pandemic of Love. She created an online community where people can donate like food vouchers to someone else in lockdown. I in love a, that. Pandemic of Love. <laughs> yeah, and they're, yeah, they're a matching service. A video on that is going up on my YouTube soon. They are a matching service. So there's no administration or middleman fee. You literally can say, hey, I have an old car that I'm not using. Someone in my town is literally, their car is broke down and they were living in their car. I can loan or give that car that I don't need to that person so they can get to their university classes. Wow. The work she's done is amazing. So let's think about how we can be of service in really creative COVID abiding ways. And that's how you're going to find meaning uh, by, as you rightly and said, connection. and connection. Uh, when you turn the attention away from all your miseries and imagining you're the center of the universe and you're the one who's suffering everything right now to going out and, you know, taking a peek in what's happening in other people's life and getting a sense of perspective from that. You know, I get so much inspiration for maybe a hawker selling vegetables or something else, someone struggling to make their daily living. And I, what I get in the process is a huge sense of perspective. Here, is, uh, here am I with all my facilities, with all my blessings complaining about. And the gratitude, the gratitude yeah. you get, right? And I'm, I'm complaining about maybe I don't travel as much as I used to before. But here's the thing. When I was traveling a lot with my keynote speeches, I was complaining a little bit about the additional travel too. You know, oh, I have to stay away from home all this time. I have all this travel to do. Which so this has been a great period of self-reflection saying, hey, perhaps were you slightly complaining about the excess travel then and now you're complaining about no travel now. So maybe it's part of my perspective to complain about how things are at the moment. Maybe I need to shift that a little and look at what, what do I have at this moment that I can use? What blessings do I have? What are the issues other people are struggling with? And how can I get that sense of perspective to tell myself things are not bad after all, right? So as we come close to this beautiful, uh, deep conversation here, I want all of you to type in in the comment section, life is beautiful. Do it now, please. Life is beautiful. Take a deep breath in, inhale with us. 
And maybe think of the one or two things that you're grateful for in your life. The ability to listen and tune in into this conversation right now. The clothes that you're wearing, the house that you live in, the family that you have and all the good things in your life. Take another deep breath in. And just dwell on these blessings. Fantastic. And that's how we, we do this. We should do this idly very often because our tendency is we blow the negative stuff out of proportion. One thing not working well, oh, my internet connection is not working well, or this thing is not working right, and we blow it out of proportion and let that one missing thing overshadow everything else. Simone, it's been a wonderful conversation, way longer than we anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate your time, your energy, your vulnerability to share so many of these personal anecdotes, which I'm sure would have been a great value addition for everybody who's listening in right now. In the description of this video, um, whether it's on YouTube or LinkedIn, you'll find links to Simone's website, her coaching program, and other resources. Any parting words of uh, inspiration before we say goodbye to the audience? Just remember life is beautiful and be in connection. Wow. Love those words. Life is beautiful and be in connection. Keep in touch, guys. This was Simone Hank from Singapore for all of us. Simone, thank you once again.